Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time tenure survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me on social media at I Never Liked Pink. It's not very often, so don't hold your breath. Today, I'm thrilled because I'm talking about a subject that is so close to my heart, which is something that I went through post-mastectomy. I had my nipples and my breasts tattooed after that experience because I wanted to feel more normal and more beautiful. And my tattoos allowed me to do that. So today, my guest is Patrick Norman. He's an award-winning director based in Los Angeles, my hometown. And his first documentary, which was vastly different from this one, is called Pinned, about high school wrestlers going to extreme lengths, like wrestling bears. Okay, that's just nuts. To win a state championship, praised as independent filmmaking at its best by the Huffington Post. Thank you, Ariana. Uh, His work has won film festival awards broadcast on both network cable television, streamed on platforms, Amazon and iTunes, and has millions of views. So he's definitely out there. He's a member of all the important documentary associations. It's like word salad for me, but he's, he's got his skills and his credentials and his joy is creating content like Pin and Full Circle, the documentary that we're going to discuss today. So, Patrick, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. It's great to be with you. Well, anything that I missed that you want to talk about? No, that, that was quite the illustrious introduction, so I, I appreciate all of that. And, uh, you know, as you said, it's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of crossover between some of my earlier documentary work and Full Circle, but as I like to say, I made pin for high school wrestlers, and I'm making Full Circle for their moms. I, I love that. That is the most perfect quote. Now, for those of you out there listening who have no idea what Full Circle is, Patrick, can you tell us a synopsis of the film? Sure. So uh, as we say on the website, breast cancer steals nipples and full circle is the story of how uh, tattoo artists are helping women get them back. And so uh, it's just a short art film exploring the many ways in which both realistic and uh, decorative mastectomy tattoos are empowering women post mastectomy. I love that. And so mastectomy tattoos have been in the media before, but I I love how as time goes on, more and more people are talking about them. Because it is important and the stigma is going away generally of saying the word breast because I think we're becoming more open as a society, fingers crossed. But why did you decide to make this documentary and how do you feel like it was a different approach than some other things in the past? Yeah, and like you said, you know, I, you're seeing more and more of uh, this topic being discussed more generally. But when we started the film, there really wasn't much of that. And I think most often what you see in these kinds of scenarios are, um, it's often, you know, it's a news package, right? Breast Cancer Awareness Month rolls around in October and um, people are looking for different, you know, human interest stories. And I find that so often it's something that, um, you know, a, a local or a national news organization approaches, but the resulting product is really just feels like a news segment. You know, it's, it's often really, really short. 
um, there's only so much they're allowed to show on television. So frequently it's really kind of filmed in a wide shot and they really play up the atmosphere of a tattoo shop, which is like buzzing tattoo needles. And to me, it just seemed like um, there wasn't really the most effective way of communicating the power behind this art and really what it's doing for so many women. And I think that, um, you know, while it's great that that information is getting out in the news, I really saw an opportunity to use documentary film to explore the subject matter, I think in a more intimate way um, and in a way that was a little bit more cinematic. I, when I watched the the film, I, I had tears in my eyes the entire time because I identified so much with what those women were going through. For me, I'm a two-time survivor. Second time around, I had a bilateral mastectomy. I was not able to keep my nipples. And so for the longest time, I just had flesh-colored mounds, essentially. And looking in the mirror was traumatizing to the point where I avoided it completely. And once I was able, gosh, probably a year and a half post my mastectomy or my final reconstruction, was able to get my tattooing and I got it done, it was like that was the end for me. I was like, this is done. My, my journey is finished, which I mean, technically not true because as a cancer survivor, it just goes on and on and on. But it really felt like the, the icing on the cake because I could look in a mirror again and not feel that I was scary. And I looked normal and it, I have both decorative and, and realistic looking 3d nipples. So I, I got the best of both worlds. Um, and it literally, I still think about the the film, and I'm so excited that we're actually going to share it with you're sharing it with us and our listeners and audience at Breast Friends. So if anyone is interested, we are hosting a virtual screening with Patrick, and you can go to fullcircledoc.com forward slash breast hyphen friends. And it's all over our social media. You can find the links, but please go to that website and sign up. You can watch the screening at your own time within a certain time period, or I'm doing a uh, a live virtual screening on January 29th. And I hope that everyone um, will go and join us because we'll be doing a talk back with myself, um, a woman from the film, a local tattoo artist here in Portland. And I'm just so excited. So little little push right there to come watch the movie with us. But so why has this been so interesting and your favorite project to pitch? Because we had talked about that previously. Yeah, you know, uh, when you're a filmmaker, you'll find that the one question you get asked more than any other is, what's your movie about? Um, and, you know, with high school wrestling and things like that, it was a bit more of a complicated pitch. But with this movie, someone asked me, what's my movies about? And I get to say nipple tattoos. And then I just stop and I wait. And then what do they say? They're like, oh. <laughs> that, well, that's exactly it. That face you made is one I've seen so many times. And so, you know, they raise an eyebrow. They kind of go, did you just say nipple? What? What? And so the minute I add context, right, and I explain the story and I say it's about mastectomy tattoos, empowering breast cancer survivors, I, I watch that same terrified look go, oh, like you, you just see it hit them immediately. And instead of thinking all of a sudden, like, you know, before it was like, maybe this is kind of a weird film, immediately they go, well, you know what, I never would have thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. And then the, the coolest thing about that is them going, I got to tell my aunt, my sister, my mom, my cousin, whomever, because... You know, unfortunately, so many people have been impacted by or they, they know someone who's been impacted by breast cancer. And so I've been really encouraged, uh, not only at the fun of pitching it, but also uh, at seeing how eager people are to share that information with people they think they can benefit from it. Well, you cannot throw a rock without hitting someone who has been diagnosed or their mom or their sister or their best friend. So this is a part of our society now. And I love that 
as I mentioned previously, it's becoming more and more acceptable to talk about it. And hopefully your film, which I know is going to be released, excuse me, later on in the year on PBS. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, but it, not for a while. So watch it now with us because that we really want to get the word out and share because it's such an important film. And if you know someone and it's not yourself, and but just share it with your friends and family. Please go to our social media and link and share. So in the film, I believe you have you focus on mainly three women who've gone through this. Yes, that's right. How did you how did you find them? Like, do you put an ad out in like, you know, the Hollywood Reporter, like looking for women who need nipple tattoos? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, we had a billboard set up off of Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <On> sunset? Yeah. <laughs> the big one, right? The really exactly. tall one on the side of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, it was um, I thought that initially that was going to be one of the, the hardest parts of the process. Right. Because um, so often in my documentary work, one thing I find really um, you know, really engaging about the process is entering a world as an outsider and asking all the same questions that my audience will ask that people in the world, you know, may be asking themselves. So I went into breast cancer, like that world as a complete layman. Um, and was like, okay, well, you know, are we going to start working with uh, different nonprofits? How are we going to, you know, get the word out? And really what I found uh, was the most effective way for us to find women was two things. One, we worked with a nonprofit called Personal Inc., um, they, their whole mission is to maintain a list of these wonderful tattoo artists and be a resource to connect women with them. So we started getting a list of the different tattoo artists in the film and, and we reached out to a few to see if they had people perhaps on their waiting list that might be willing to join the film. Um, but really at the end of the day, all three women came directly from our website. We put up a website early on, we put up a little video and said, listen, you know, this is the movie we're looking to make. If you are curious about mastectomy tattoos, if you're planning on getting one, um, if this sounds like maybe it's the right fit for you, then we'd love to hear your story. Just reach out to us. And um, we were really encouraged at the response that we had through the website. But yeah, it just led to a series of interviews with a few different women. And we, uh, through our website, just found the women who are perfect for our story. That's where you know that search engine optimization is your friend because you put out keywords and then Google takes it and makes it all happen and it comes up in your feed. <laughs> Yeah, nipple tattoos are apparently great for SEO. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, did they in the interview process when you were speaking with them, did the women express why they wanted to get the tattoos or was it I imagine if they're allowing themselves to be filmed in this environment, they're pretty open. What did they share with you about the why? Yeah, you know, I the why it gets back to a lot of what you said before about just the comfort level and being able to look at yourself in the mirror, right? Like each one of them described exactly what you did. They, in fact, they called it the drive-by. They're like, every time I like get out of the shower in the morning, I just get a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Like it just hits me. It, it reminds me every single day. So that that just sort of inherent, you know, conflict of body image was was a major theme. Um, but more specifically, two of the three women had had nipple sparing surgeries done. Um, and to be honest, they hated the results. They were horrible. Um, just, you know, for different reasons, um, they really turned out, uh, to not look so great. And, and the doctors were basically like, yeah, we're done. You know, that this is as far as we're willing to go. We're not going to do any sort of touch-ups or or further, you know, surgeries. You want to be grateful that we saved your life. And that was it. And these women were like, well, we are grateful that you saved our lives, but we need to keep on living. And to sort of say that this result is something we ought to be comfortable with is not, it's just not right. It doesn't make sense, you know. And um, so for two of the women, they were really interested in, uh, you know, covering up some of those results because they really felt that 
um, that would be the, the really most effective way of, of handling the, the results they were left with. And I, I have to agree, so many women that I've spoken with have had nipple sparing mastectomies and they are not happy. If they're doing a unilateral and they're trying to match them up, it will never match because of the the type of reconstruction or where the nipple lands. It's not going to be the same as your other breasts, no matter how wonderful your plastic surgeon is. And quite often too, even if they have a bilateral with nipple sparing, it's just not the same. And... I asked about it, and at the time, I was too large-breasted, so I was devastated, but now I look back on it, I'm like, wow, I 100% made the right choice, and my plastic surgeon even offered to go in and, like, build a small nipple, and then you should, I can build you a nipple, and but you'll it'll always be erect. I'm like, well, that's no fun. I like wearing tank tops now with no bras, um, but... I, so I just went for the flat with nothing, and then I had my 3D tattoos. And as I said, it, it changed my my cancer journey so much. Um, now, how obviously you've you've done so much research on this in terms of like the differences between doing the nipple sparing versus the 3D tattoos. What did you learn about those optics, or however that would work? You mean between just having a, a flat tattoo versus like a, a surgical yes, option? Sorry, or? that was that was very that was a very bad question. <laughs> um, so, how do you now feel as tattooing as an alternative to nipple sparing? Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's a, it's a great option. And you know, as I said, two of the women had had. Uh, well, one had had sort of a nipple sparing surgery. The other had the surgery you described, where they had, had sort of reconstructed the nipple. Um, but the third woman. You know, she was 34 when she was diagnosed. She had three little kids and already doing the mastectomy was a lot of really invasive surgery that she, you know, I mean, had to endure. But, you know, when they presented her with even more options of more invasive surgeries, um, I, I think she was really sort of hesitant, particularly with like worries for infection and things like that. And so, you know, for her, it was an option to just avoid more surgeries, but still have the same sort of closure. And I think, you know, like you said, some of those uh where they reconstruct uh, a nipple, it's like you're exactly like you're left with permanently erect nipples. It's not really, you know, it just wasn't something that felt like the right fit for her. And so to have the option of, you know, getting away from more surgery um, and, and all the sort of problems that go along with that, to have something that was just simple, artistic, non-invasive, um, that just felt like such a better fit for her. And she wound up being thrilled with the results. Now, I'm sure in when you were searching out women and speaking to others about this process, have you seen women who decide to go flat and then do decorative tattooing? Do, they, do you feel like there is the same sort of like a closure once they get something like that done, even if it's not the nipples? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, we have had discussions with folks who, you know, their preference uh, after a mastectomy is to not do any reconstruction. Uh, to just stay flat. And what I think what we're trying to get across fundamentally with the film is that um, this is an option for anyone. You know, it may not be the right fit for you, but we just want you to be aware of the option. And, you know, if you have your, your surgery and you opt for no reconstruction and you don't want a tattoo and you're comfortable, wonderful. But, you know, we also have seen many women who have gone that route, who have gone sort of the flat route, that want to bring some sort of art to bear, that they, they you know, want to sort of redefine their bodies after this trauma. And it's been a wonderful solution for them, too. So it's not something that is strictly, you know, relegated to folks who have reconstruction. It can fit anyone. It's just a matter of what you're personally comfortable with. 
And I love that. And if you, listeners, if you go and search mastectomy decorative tattoos, they are freaking beautiful. And one of the bonuses, if you actually had a mastectomy and you have scarring, it's a beautiful way to cover it up, even if you have an aesthetic flat closure. But And also one of the great things is you don't have a lot of nerves in your breast area and your chest anymore. So it can be much less painful than it normally would be. And if you have a flat canvas, it is a beautiful area to get tattoos done for yourself personally and also for your partner or anybody else that you want to show because if you're flat and your chest is tattooed and you're not showing nipples, you can show pictures of them anywhere you want. (laughs) So that is one definitely some benefits to this but listeners we are going to take a quick break so remember you can make a donation on our website by there's a big donate button or you can text bf radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission that no one goes through cancer alone and if you or loved one need our services please go to our website as well and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you stay with us we'll be back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hello, and thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle. My guest is Patrick Norman, director of Full Circle, a documentary about mastectomy tattoos and the importance of them, and we're kind of digging into all the things. So, Patrick, before break, you had mentioned that you had worked with a organization called Personal Inc., and did you also find tattoo artists from that organization for the film, or how did you, how did you get your artists to do the work? 
Sure. So, you know, yeah, we initially started working with Personal Inc. to just get a sense of, you know, how many people were doing this kind of work, where they were located, um, to see some portfolios, just to get a sense of the styles and, you know, how tattoo artists perhaps might differ from each other. Um, but I will say that for the three tattoo artists we featured in the film, um, for two of them, the women found the tattoo artists for us, which, which was great. You know, they had already been doing some research on their tattoos and they were really kind of excited about the process. And so, uh, for example, Jamie found Shane Wallen, who's based out of San Diego. Um, Shane is a rock star in these tattoos. He's, he's really well known both for his, his realistic areola shading and uh, detail work, but also uh, for his just really bright, bold, beautiful, colorful chess pieces. Uh, you know, uh, what he would say is he likes to do tattoos that you can see from across the room. So, um, you know, she went through his portfolio and saw the realistic work they did and was like, that's my guy. Like, he's doing stuff that looked like how I used to look. I'd love to work with him. And so she brought Shane to us. And Shane has also, um, you know, been working with Personal Inc. for years as well. Um, and, you know, likewise, in working with Shane and doing some work with Personal Inc., uh, we were able to find Holly as well. Holly uh, was one of our other tattoo artists in, in Los Angeles, um, but she also does both realistic and decorative tattoos. So, yeah, it was it was really a combination of uh, working with the women first because just seeing if they had already had an artist in mind, and then also with Personal Link because they had just have a wonderful resource of these tattoo artists. Now, this sounds like quite a process. How long did it take for you to make the film overall? Say from like when you first conceptualized the idea to the point where it was done and ready to start showing? Uh, it took forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, is, is like, that's par for the course with documentaries, you know, as we were telling women when we were filming, it's like they were sort of nervous that this would be coming out really soon. And it was like, oh, don't worry. This isn't going to come out on the news next week. It, this is a multi-year journey. And uh, really the reason for that is because, you know, when you're dealing with documentary, you're dealing with, real people and real lives and real schedules. And so it's not like a studio movie where you can block off a month and shoot everything. You, you kind of have to go at the pace of what other people's lives will permit you to do. So all in from the first, like, hey, this should be a movie to now is coming up on nine years. Um, you know, we started. Crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, is forever I, in the movie industry. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, unless, and, unless you're the Avatar sequel. So. <laughs> Yeah, we, we beat Avatar, thank goodness. Not by much, but we did. <laughs> and, you know, and that was uh, in 2014 is when I started initially, you know, I had the spark for the movie and started doing initial development work, um, a lot of research and you know, reaching out to folks, learning uh, kind of what this landscape looked like, you know, getting funding together, all that good stuff. And we started filming uh, in late 2015, so the fall of 2015. Um, and then in uh, 2016, uh, one of our subjects had to do uh, some additional surgical procedures before she could be tattooed. So we'd filmed her first interview, we got all the before footage, but then we had to wait for nine months, you know, for her to have the surgeries and to heal effectively. So, you know, little things like that would pop up. And uh, for us, you know, it wasn't like we were rushing to meet a certain deadline. We could just sort of roll with the punches. And so, um, you know, then of course the pandemic rolled in and kind of <laughs> delayed things for a few years as well. So all in, that's why it's taken about nine years. But I think when you compare it to, plenty of other documentaries that's it's about on par well and they're true labor of loves and also the financing and the funding and how do you get all that and rarely do you have it at one time and you know it's you are giving your work for for nothing essentially because this is so important to you i imagine oh absolutely yeah i mean um it is a movie and we're thrilled it's going to be on pbs but it's not like a marvel avengers giant studio movie you know it's a very mission driven film and, um, you know, as an independent filmmaker, 
yeah, you, you're just sort of um, you're 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 basically responsible for finding everything that you can to to pull this vision off. And so part of that was, you know, I, I'm a filmmaker as my day job and my night job. And sort of the wonderful juxtaposition for me was. Uh, you know, there are definitely times during the production of this film where I was working on uh, another show for Amazon. I was producing and editing that. And it was, again, totally different. It was a really macho, badass race car, you know, docu-series. And so I, I wound up basically spending my days working on this really macho race car show, but then using, you know, equipment and personnel and funding that I would raise from that to go make this beautiful art film about breast cancer at night. So, you know, you just, you find your little trade-offs like that. But um, yeah, you know, over the years, we were able to pull it off. We were really grateful for that. That's awesome. Now, you had mentioned doing some filming before the tattooing process of the women. Were you trying to get just kind of an their emotional aspect or like what was going on in their life? What were you really looking for in those pre-tattooing interviews? Totally. Yeah. So we approach this effectively by going, um, you know, with the following battle plan. We're going to, we'll sit down, we'll do some interviews with the women before they have their tattoos. We'll just get a sense of, you know, their background up to this point, perhaps why they decided to pursue tattooing, learn more about their breast cancer journey, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we also needed before footage. We needed to see what their bodies looked like before tattooing. Um, and, you know, we were obviously very sensitive to that. So um, for us, it was a matter of getting some FaceTime because initially, you know, we just had phone conversations, Zoom conversations, et cetera. But the first time we met each of these women in person was when we arrived to film, right, to sit down and do an interview and then effectively see their before footage. And so, um, yeah, it, it was a lot of, you know, it's just a peculiar scenario to be in, right? It's like, hi, nice to meet you. Let's talk about some of the most traumatic times in my life. And then, and then can you take th- off your top, please? <laughs> right, exactly. And again, you know, it, it's like, at the time, I'm like a, the 30-year-old dude just walking in with a camera. Like, you know, so you can understand how, how you know, uncomfortable these women could have been in these scenarios. And uh, I think for me, the approach was really just to make them as much a part of it as possible, to make them as comfortable as possible. And so... Um, you know, we approached that by having a very minimal crew. It was myself and my cinematographer, and that was it. We didn't want to have, you know, a bunch of lights and cameras and all sorts of, you know, the kind of flotsam and jetsam of a, of a film set in your face because, like, that's terrifying, right? To throw lights and a camera on someone, uh, like, that's nothing will freak you out faster than that. So we just kept it really minimal, you know, really subdued. Um, you know, in, in instances where we could, we had their partners or their husbands with us, so they felt more comfortable. And, you know, it wasn't a scenario where we were going to, like, go shoot something and run away and not show you. Um, You know, we had them, we had, you know, husbands or partners standing right next to us, looking at our viewfinders, seeing exactly what we were doing. We would play things back for the women um, just so they could see exactly what kind of footage we were getting. Um, But, you know, we we just wanted to do as much as we could to put people at ease so that we could kind of take some of the edge off of that, that sort of awkwardness. It was kind of, you know, for me, I think it was more awkward for me than it was for them because we had so many scenarios where um, the women were like, do you have any idea how many people have seen these? Like, it's one hundred percent. Yeah, I. So, yeah. I wasn't a super modest person before, but now I'm like, whatever, dude. Like, it, it, again, much to my husband's dismay, um, and especially at Breast Friends, we've had so many women over the years come in and they have questions. They want to see what reconstructed breasts look like. They want to see what tattoos look like. And I would say pre-pandemic, we don't do it so much anymore, but. Um, 
because I'm actually the only one in the office who has decorative tattooing and my nipples. But I literally like every week someone new would come in and I'd be like, come here. And we'd go in the another office and shut the door and I'd show them off because people want to see. But I, I can tell from watching the film, it was very intimate and cozy. And you can tell these women are incredibly comfortable sharing their stories. So you've really, you've really captured that whole essence from start to finish. And the before and the afters and the changes in the women, you can see it in their faces and their smiles. They just, they feel whole again. And so I, I applaud you so much for that and sharing this information because it, if it impacts one person and they decide to go get this and have decorative or nipple tattoos and it really finishes their journey for them, that's a success. And I mean, for me, I've, I've, I've been there, done that, but I would have if I had just seen the film bec- and I was in the, those shoes because it really demystifies the process. Well, I mean, thank you so much for that, that kind review. And that's exactly what we were <laughs> hoping to do. Um, and I'll tell you, each of the women who participated in the project, you know, aside from being interested in, in sort of um, how the tattoos would help them, each of them said they were participating because they wanted to be able to share their experience with others. It was something that as they were doing their research, they wished that more media, that more information was out there. And, you know, all of them from them, um, you know, some of them were more modest than others, but they all had that experience you're describing where once they had that sort of transformative experience, they were so much more comfortable sneaking off of people, showing people, you know, even talking about changing in the, the dressing room at the Y and having people start asking them about their tattoos. They're so open about it now. They're so willing to share their experience to talk about it. Um, and we were just so, so grateful that they were willing to be so brave and put themselves out there for that because it can certainly be really intimidating. I mean, it's one thing to do it in sort of the safe space of a support group where, you know, you're not around people, the windows and the doors are all closed, but it's another thing to bury yourself um, in front of the camera. So we were just so so grateful they were willing to do that for others. Now, obviously, you were taking care to protect their emotions and the sensibilities of the women. But were there any like funny things that happened during production that you remember that you're like, oh, I never expected that? <laughs> Constantly. Constantly. Well, um, yeah, that, that's just sort of part and parcel of making a film is nothing really ever goes to plan. You just kind of roll with the punches and hope for the best. And, and as I've often said, serendipity has been my co-producer on this project. Um, and so we've had some some really crazy things happen. In fact, um, I think one of the, what, as we call happy accidents in filmmaking was when uh, one of our tattoo artists, uh, the initial tattoo artist we had scheduled fell through. Um, so to paint the picture for you, we are just getting started with production. We are flying off from Los Angeles to Kansas to film our first interview. And the idea was we'll get to Kansas, we'll do sort of the before interview, get to know this woman a little bit. And we'd found a local uh, tattoo artist who we had been discussions with, was excited for the project, had us booked for the first tattoo. And so we were going to kind of make a little road trip and do that. And what wound up happening, I kid you not, is I'm on the runway taking off, like pedal to the metal, hurtling down the runway. And I all of a sudden get a voicemail from the tattoo artist. So I go, because your cell phone is still on against FAA regulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, I was just going to turn it off. I'm like, oh, no. So really quickly, I listened to this voicemail. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden, everything had changed. They were like, yeah, we, we don't really know what's going on. But our, our booking assistant had made some mistakes. And so like, we're not ready for you guys. And the best we can do is maybe squeeze you in for a couple minutes and get the process started. But we'll have to wait like nine months to bring you in again to finish it. And that's where we're at. And then I'm in the air. 
<laughs> so I have like, you know, from that moment until I'm landing to kind of figure out what we're going to do. And it was the best possible thing that could have happened to us because, um, you know, in the initial development process, I'd met a tattoo artist named Holly. Again, she's based out of Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I, I really hit it off with her. She was just a really wonderful person to work with, to talk to, um, and just had a, just a wonderful, you know, background doing this kind of art. In fact, um, <laughs> you may see in the trailer, but initially talking about doing this kind of work, she'd mentioned that she'd practiced it by tattooing nipples on her leg. And I was like, get out. So she's like, no. she rolled up her pant leg and showed me like 20 nipples going up her entire leg. And I'm like, all right, well, that's going in the movie. Like, I have no idea how, but I got it. Mm -hmm. That has to be in the movie. And so uh, as soon as we landed, I went, all right, listen, I, you know, I don't know why this didn't work out with this tattoo artist. Everything was set to go. But, you know, this is an opportunity. I reached out to Holly and said, listen, if we can bring this woman out to California, would you have some time to work with her? Would you be open to it? And Holly was like, absolutely. And so we reached back out uh, you know, to the woman, Brenda, to see if she'd be comfortable switching tattoo artists. We explained the situation. Um, and she looked at Holly's uh, portfolio online and was like, oh, absolutely. And she wound up having a, like a much better connection with this tattoo artist. I think part of it, too, was that the initial person we had scheduled was male and mm -hmm. Holly was a woman. And Brenda just felt much more comfortable being tattooed by a woman. Um, but it could not have been a better fit in the long run. So, um, you know, for as crazy as it was taking off, <laughs> losing a <laughs> tattoo artist, uh, it could not have turned out better for, for the project and most importantly for Brenda in the end. Now, how post-production, obviously, and the women and the artists have all seen the film, what kind of feedback did they give you about the film? How did they feel? Well, how did they feel about their tattoos and then subsequently the film? I, I'm thrilled to say that I love them both. Um, you know, I think, as you just sort of described, like we saw an instant transformation happen with all of them the first time they saw their tattoos. And it was, and it was striking. It was like night and day. Um, so in each of them, I think they were just sort of astonished both at, at how quickly they were able to feel differently about their results. But I think, you know, the, the great thing too, again, because this is a, a longer project to put together, not just a news piece, they had time to sort of absorb the results, right? It's one thing to sort of see the mirror and go, oh my goodness. But it's another thing to really reflect on, on how you're changing and to reflect on how you are three months out, six months out, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm thrilled to report that they were all so happy with their tattoo experience but then you know of course as a filmmaker you're always terrified that people are going to you know you, you never know how people are going to react to seeing themselves in the way that you're presenting them um and i i was blown away they were just so happy with it um they were so proud to have been a part of the project they're excited for people now to be able to see it um and so yeah i i'm just i'm so heartened by the response they've had to it so far i love that and i i definitely can appreciate that so much when I had my tattoos done. I remember about a month later, I went down and saw all my girlfriends in Southern California. We had a girls weekend. And literally, as soon as I got to their house, I'm like, everybody come here and look. And I'm showing off my my breasts. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's and, you know, they celebrated with me because like I had been through this horrific experience and my tattoos were able to change that experience and leave me with something lasting that was beautiful. So we are going to take another quick break. So listeners, please stay with us. We have so much more to talk about. If you would like to reach out to me, I am at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. And do not forget to go to fullcircledoc.com forward slash breast hyphen friends to sign up to see the film with us. Stay with us. We'll be back.
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Everything you know about the medical industry is about to change. That is when you tune in to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. Dr. West will challenge the currently accepted status quo of medical procedures and remedies, and you'll learn about medicinal topics from a whole new perspective. America's Healer with Dr. Jason West, Fridays at 12 p.m. on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Patrick Norman, director of Full Circle Documentary about mastectomy tattoos and how important they are. So over break, Patrick and I were talking about something that he had told me about something that I had no idea what it was called breast tracing. And it's a hilarious story. So Patrick, share that with us, please. What is breast tracing? Right. Yeah. You know, as, as I had joked before, you know, they teach you an awful lot of different things in film school. They never teach you about breast tracing. And so this is something <laughs> I got to learn on the fly. And uh, what a breast tracing is, is it's a way for a tattoo artist to visualize the area they'll be tattooing. And so, you know, in our particular circumstance, um, we were working with a woman, Brenda, and her tattoo artist was in Los Angeles. And so we asked the tattoo artist, okay, well, to help you prepare and start figuring out how you're going to design your tattoo, uh, what do we need to get for you? How can we help you? And she said, well, we, first you need to get a bunch of different reference materials, you know, just photos from different angles, widths, distances, et cetera, so I can kind of see what we're, we're dealing with. But then you need to make a breast tracing. And I'm like, okay, great. What is that? And then effectively... Uh, what the breast tracing is, is you take wax paper and you spread it across your chest and then you take a Sharpie and you outline the curvature of the breast, you outline the nipple, the areola, just sort of everything you got to make a, a full you know, plan and a visualization of what the tattoo artist will be working with. So it was a scenario where, as I mentioned, you know, we flew out to Kansas, we met Brenda for the first time in person, got to know each other a little bit and had our first you know, full interview on camera. 
And then it was like, okay, great. So now we're going to trace your breasts. And so <laughs> it was like, please just hold this wax paper here as I take out this Sharpie. And so that's what it was. But it was actually, it's a really effective way for people who are, you know, maybe working with an out-of-town tattoo artist to kind of get the ball rolling and uh, get their design uh, in, in play. It just cracks me up because I think of like, oh, hold on, let me go to my drawer and get out my wax paper. And then it's all like crinkle, crinkle. And you're like trying to like be sensitive and because you're touching someone's body that you literally just met and the comfort factor it says a lot about how you were able to connect with the women for them to be able to do that oh it's certainly and i think you know i that was also a moment where it i think really the emotional gravity of what we were exploring really hit me for the first time right because you know obviously if you're in any kind of a film scenario and you're dealing with nudity and people are being you know, asked to expose themselves on camera, you know, you have to be very sensitive to that and very respectful of what you're doing. And so I remember, um, you know, even before the tracing, when we were just doing filming for reference and getting kind of the before imagery, as I said, it was just myself and my camera guy. And so we had everything all set up and I, I basically gave him his instructions and he started rolling. And I remember I turned away. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to look like I'll, I'll give you a little bit of space and respect. And Brenda just started laughing. She just burst out laughing at me. And she's like, do you have any idea how many people have seen my breasts as a result of this process? Like so many doctors and nurses and assistants and surgeons. And, you know, it, it really, she's like, these are not what you think they are anymore. And as someone who'd been doing all the research and kind of understood it intellectually, that was really the first time where I went, oh my God, right. Like I, I didn't really fully emotionally appreciate how desensitized you become as a result of this, you know, breast cancer journey. So, um, yeah, I, I was, it really sort of changed my approach from then on. I imagine that was a big surprise during production. Was there anything else that you was unexpected that was kind of eye-opening during the filming process? You know, I think the funny thing for me that was eye-opening was thinking about uh, the different tattoo artists and the way that they had practiced, right? Because, Obviously, uh, you know, you, you want to be confident in your skill set before you start putting this permanent tattoo on someone else. And so uh, I was surprised that often these tattoo artists would practice on themselves. I, I sort of learned that for tattoo artists, that's sort of like, you know, you do an apprenticeship, but then you end your apprenticeship by tattooing yourself. And so um, each of the two, at least two of the three tattoo artists we work with had either had, you know, nipples they had tattooed on their ankle. In fact, as I mentioned, Holly had, you know, almost 20 tattoos of nipples going up her entire leg. Um, so I was just shocked that they'd be willing to, you know, they were so invested in doing this kind of work for others, they were willing to practice on themselves first. Um, but I think for me, the, the really most powerful uh, thing that I experienced was just seeing that initial reaction after the tattoo had happened. Because in some cases, you know, women had been years removed from their reconstruction, you know, they, they'd maybe not been comfortable exploring a tattoo, they'd maybe thought about it for a long time. And I'll tell you, I just, the reaction was so powerful in person. It was night and day. And you could see it in body language. These were women who were uh, uncomfortable exposing themselves around their husbands, right? Like there's just the most intimate, trusted people in their world. They, they were afraid to let them see what was on the inside. And as a result of that tattoo, they were willing to show people, they were willing to show strangers. Like you said, it was, I, I just, I wasn't expecting to be that quick and that powerful. And it, and it really, truly was. I love that. Now, you've obviously been through over, over nine years, so much experience in looking for tattoo artists. What kind of advice would you give for someone who is wants to get this done, whether it's the decorative or the nipple tattooing, in finding the right artist for them? Because it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go down the street and get a tribal band on my arm. This is something very different. 
Exactly. And that's a really important point that I'm glad you brought up because it's exactly that. We want to make sure that you are finding someone who has a track record in this, who has experience, and you're not just going down to the corner tattoo shop, walking right in and asking someone for something like that. So the first thing that we encourage is look for a portfolio, look for a track record, see examples of their prior work. Um, and often you'll get a sense of their artistic sensibilities and just sort of the, the kind of capabilities they have to bring a bear for this. But the other thing too is um, if you found someone who has a track record working specifically with breast cancer survivors doing mastectomy tattoos, they're a bit more sensitive to dealing with things like scar tissue with irradiated skin, um, you know, things that may be a, a bit more challenging or, or more tricky to deal with than your garden variety tattoo. Um, so yeah, I would say just do your homework, make sure, make sure, make sure you see a portfolio ahead of time so you're not surprised by the artist. Um, and again, you know, I, if you're curious to see who's near you that might be doing that kind of work or just looking for inspiration, uh, again, I'd refer you to Personal Inc. Uh, their website is it has a huge directory of these artists and it's growing uh, constantly. So I was actually very lucky when I was in the market for mine. There was one woman who was preeminent here in Portland. She has since retired from from that aspect of it. But she was actually trained by a gentleman who started doing um, I can't think of the right word, but he would be tattooing for those who had been injured in the military and in war and skirmishes. So he was an expert in tattooing over scar tissue. And she learned from him. And when she did my tattoo, she was in her like mid seventies at that point. Like she was one of those like crazy geniuses. And I'm so happy that I got to find her because I I'm just amazed. But yes, we look through her portfolio and, uh, my husband and I left the initial consultation. We're like, well, she's nuts, but we love her. And but she did amazing work. But it's so important and to find that connection to who you feel comfortable with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that you'll find often, too, and certainly with the artists will be focused in the film is um, because they're so focused on doing this kind of art, they really have created, um, you know, studio spaces designed for that. So it's not like walking, you know, in off the street to a regular tattoo shop where there's heavy metal blaring and all sorts of grunge and stuff and like mom tattoos left and right. You know, you go into these particular uh, tattoo studios and they feel like spas, right? They, they do mm -hmm. a lot, whether it's the decor, the art on the wall, just to put you at ease right away. And, you know, the other thing too is they make sure that anytime they're doing this sort of work, um, their, their facilities are inaccessible to the public. So you're not going to be like by a window, everything is closed, everything is locked. Um, you know, privacy is respected to the utmost degree. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that you'll find that a lot of the folks who are doing this kind of work really try to make it a different tattooing experience than, you know, your your standard tattoo shop. Oh, definitely. I, if she was still around doing it, I would go, I want to get a Phoenix as my next tattoo. And um, it's funny. I like the bright and the colors. And my husband is all like black and white and gray and or the black and the gray shading. I'm like, no, I want colors. I want beauty. And he's like, mine is beautiful. I'm like, it is, but it's not as pretty as mine. Uh, <laughs> so... Are you able to put the the film into like for award shows or what what kind of response have you gotten from the public, not the artists or the women in it from people who've seen the film? Yes, yeah, so far the the public response um, has been ecstatic. I've been really just you know humbled and blown away by the positive response we've had from folks. and it's the same thing. it's you know we send screeners to people. Um, you know, whether it, it's it's often you know, been a, a result of showing people at different support groups or nonprofits or things like that. So really, we're, we've been trying to focus before the public release on really making this a resource for the breast cancer community and making sure that it's a resource for the people who really are going through this and who need this information the most. 
And it's so many women are just like, yup, that's exactly how I felt. I needed to know that. That's the experience I had. Um, it's it's just really been um, gratifying to see that we're, that we're striking the chords we intended and it, that it's resonating so much with, with women who are curious about the subject matter. And it's also, you know, you were saying in, in terms of people getting more comfortable talking about things like this, we've absolutely seen that. We had, we've had some women who had never even considered this until they'd seen, you know, a screener of the film. And then it, it just, it completely set off a light bulb for them. So, um, you know, we're, we're just so encouraged by the impact it's having. And we're looking forward to doing even more of that work this year. So in one sentence, what do you hope women gain from watching the film, whether they are past the process like me or someone who has no idea and might be going in to experience it? What I would hope that women would gain from this is really it's, it's inspiration and empowerment, right? It, it's just for us, the whole mission for the film is to raise awareness of this kind of art, to let women know that it's a thing and it might be the right thing for them. But, you know, knowledge is power. And you might, you know, the, the fact that we could present this in a more artistic light that make, might make it seem more inviting or more favorable to people, that's exactly what we're hoping to do. So we, we want the art to inspire people. And, you know, if they feel like it's right for them, hopefully they'll be encouraged to take some action. Now, in this whole process, there's, I mean, the film seemed incredibly complete to me. But were there some things that you filmed? You're like, yeah, I'm not going to put that in there that you know, so to speak, ended up on the cutting room floor? Always, always, yeah. Every, I'll tell you, any film always starts off as an epic miniseries. And I think that uh, our first cut of the film was about three hours long. And <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine starting with that runtime, getting all the way down to 30 minutes, you know, a, a lot had to hit the floor. And, you know, I think the wonderful thing about the way we're approaching the release of the film now is, all that great material, it's wonderful. I think that the, the, particularly the breast cancer community would benefit from it, but it just, you know, because of runtime restrictions, we couldn't fit it in the film. But we're taking a lot of that information and we're making it available as a toolkit that we can use to share with other nonprofits, with support groups. Um, and a lot of that just delves, you know, into more, more granular detail about the women's experiences. We look at specifically like the healing process, how long it took their tattoos to mm. heal, what that experience was like, what they expected from it, how it turned out. Um, you know, so just a lot of the more, the more, you know, I think that the film itself is a great um, bit of exposure to the, the subject matter. But for people who want a lot more nitty gritty detail, that's a lot of what we've saved in the cutting room. We, all the good bits are for sure in the film, all the nipples <laughs> on legs and things like that. Um, and all the charming bits are definitely um, in, in the film. But, you know, for people who want just more specifics, more things that might be um, relevant to their particular cancer journey and things like that. That's a lot of what we're making available through our toolkit. I love that. And are those just little video snippets by subject that would be available for like our breast friends, people who are going to see the film? How does that work? Exactly. Yeah. So it's something we haven't released yet. We're just putting kind of the finishing touches on it, but it's exactly what you said. It's uh, right now we're approaching it as a, a, a sort of a private password protected website that could be made available to different organizations, but it will have a variety of different, um, you know, subject matter, things like little, little scenes, effectively things that aren't, um, you know, fully edited like they were in the film, but a lot of just, you know, the women talking about specific experiences. Uh, you know, one thing we talked a lot about was temporary nipple tattoos and the effect that those had on women who are curious about this. Um, we have a partner, Tata Tattoos, that does uh, these set of tattoos. They make them available to women. So we have them linked on our website, but we have sort of a partnership with them and we explain kind of how that factored in the decision-making process as well. So all sorts of little subject matter um tangents like that that, that are super informative, just couldn't fit in the final film, are going to be available on that toolkit. 
Awesome. Other than the website fullcircledoc.com, where can people find you on social? Uh, I know there hasn't been a huge push there yet because you've been focusing on getting the film out there. But if if people want to find out more information. Sure. Yeah. So uh, like you said, the first and best place to go is our website fullcircledoc.com. It's doc like documentaries. So fullcircledoc.com. Uh, that's where you can see the trailer. You can sign up for our mailing list if you are curious about um, you know, kind of what we're up to, how we're rolling the film out and upcoming screening opportunities. It's also where you can just reach out to us directly if you'd like to book a screening or, you know, see how we can work together to bring our film to your community too. Uh, but beyond our website, uh, we're at Full Circle Doc on all the socials. So Facebook, um, we don't do Twitter anymore because Twitter hilariously thought that we were putting up obscene content. <laughs> These tattoos are so realistic looking that it tripped up Twitter. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I think Twitter is just going to go by the wayside very soon. So, <laughs> Oh, for sure. But yeah, for us, it's it's really, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, um, okay. it is YouTube and TikTok, but it's at, you know, Full Circle Doc. It's all that for any of those platforms. So if there's a platform that's your favorite, see what we're up to there. Perfect. And in our last minute, what was your greatest gift by filming this documentary to yourself? How does it make you feel? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to choke up now on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love to make people cry, but when they're smiling at the same time, it's good. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I'll tell you, um, my favorite gift was uh, showing this to my father. And the reason why is because um, my personal connection to breast cancer is I lost a grandmother to it, my father's mother, uh, before I was born. So I I never had a chance to know my, my grandmother paternally. Um, and, you know, her breast cancer experience was one where, you know, because it was 40, 45 years ago, the, the doctors were much more paternalistic than, than they are now even. And they just kept telling her, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. Oh, stage four cancer. Like, they, they you know, they just kept dismissing her. And so um, knowing her story and how certain things would have empowered her that maybe could have saved her life, it was a, it, it really blew me away to be able to. Um, you know, to use the art that I've trained in, the art that I practice as a career, to bring a resource to that community that will hopefully make a difference for others. And I just being able to show it to my dad, and you know, we dedicate the film to my grandmother. At the end, there's a little thing after the credits. Um, but just for him to see the impact that that had on me, and how that experience, which was so awful for him and our family, could wind up resulting in something that could be of benefit to the community, that could be you know used for good to help others. Um, that to me was something that, that really hit hard. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that and for being here today. Listeners, we are out of time, but please go to fullcircledoc.com forward slash breast hyphen friends to sign up to watch this, watch the film with us. And if you need more information on breast friends, please go to breastfriends.org. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.